And we are coming down in three, two, one. podcast of getting sports with drunk on the pprn radio network i'm joined with the rat of a red baron first ever emergency first ever emergency now this doesn't count like we since we've been recording i have definitely been more emergency worthy podcast than the one we're about to do but the thing is is we've we very rarely plan ahead of time to have a show off and we planned ahead of time to have uh, when we're recording this, it's February 10th. We plan to have February 14th off as it is a Monday, a recording day to spend with our significant others. So we pre recorded a, a small show earlier and whatnot, but we realized last second to Brad of Red Baron and myself that the NBA tread deadline was going to come and go. And we weren't going to be able to discuss it in some relevancy. And we're not really here to discuss the breakdown of every trade to its fullest detail, simply because you have 4,000 sources for that. We're just kind of here to give our spin on it. We're gonna, we are going to touch every trade, but we're not going to go in detail on mm-hmm. every trade. Does that make sense? And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, this is obviously, it's not the biggest breaking news of all time. But, um, you know, by the time we come back, it'll be February 21st. There will be have been, you know, we'll be going into the NBA All Star Weekend at that point. So this trade deadline will be a thing of the past, right? And actually, like, at that point, uh, uh, not just a few games, but a couple games will be under like, uh, all these teams' belts. Yes, and actually, I think it was today, February tenth. I think the uh, All Star game, our All Star teams were selected by Captains uh, Lebron James and the Snake Kevin Durant. <laughs> And to tell you everything you need to know about that, Kevin Durant had two centers and decided he needed a third just to not pick James Harden. Yeah. I love the spite of players. Oh, so much spite. And they're going to have to play each other like soon. Right. Um, so, all right. So we'll go down. We're going to go down the list starting with oldest to newest trade. Um, we'll spend less and less time on the older trades because obviously they've already gotten a bunch of uh, attention. So we're going to go over the first one here. Just a pretty quick one. Um, the Miami Heat, or sorry, the, the Miami Heat traded uh, KZ Oakpaw and um, amended protections on 2023 lottery picks for a 2026 second round pick. Um, basically, a kind of a no nothing trade here. Um, really, what this was is um, the Heat needed to free up a roster spot, and KZ Oakpaw has now he's now costed the Heat. Uh, three second round picks in order to try to make him a valuable player and it's just not working um so they kind of at least now they have something to show for it it just frees up a roster spot that they could use um to bring up like caleb martin from a two-way contract to a regular nba deal that would make him playoff eligible give them some depth um but they're they're pretty much it's pretty much just pick obligation and then the thunder and, um, really, I they just they just got a player. Right, I think like the Thunder, like this could have been any team to receive. You know, 
I think that the Thunder were just like, hey, well, we'll take a shot on this. But, it, you know, it could have been any team that's kind of middle of the road at this point, you know, to, to be the recipient of this trade. Right. And, and really what it is is um, the Thunder are delaying – essentially what they're doing with the uh, the amended protections on uh, the 2023 lottery projected first-round pick – they, they changed it from a 2023 lottery protected first round pick to a 2025 lottery protected pick. Basically, the reason Oklahoma wins this trade, which is really a no nothing trade, just from a statistical logistics standpoint, it, the Thunder really get an A plus on this because they're basically moving their pick back two, two picks. And the Heat are a force to be reckoned with right now during the 2021 2022 NBA season. You got to figure Jimmy Butler is 32, Kyle Lowry is 35. You know, you're kind of hoping that the Heat start their downfall around that time and you get a pick not in the 20s. Right. Because really, anything in the top 10, you're kind of getting as advertised for the most part. Um, anything after that is just, it's really a gamble. So, no nothing trade, the Thunder. I mean, if you can call them a winner loser, the Thunder would be the way to go. All right, the first big blockbuster trade that happened uh, during this trade uh, deadline was that the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers received Karis Levert and a 2022 second round pick in exchange for the Indiana receiving Ricky, Ricky, uh, Ricky Rubio, a 2022 first round pick uh, lottery protected um, and uh, through 2023. And it turns into two seconds, if not conveyed, a 2022 second round pick and a 2027 second round pick. So basically, you know, two second round picks, potentially four if the first round pick doesn't pan out. Um, with that being said, um, Cleveland's going to have a lottery pick for a few years to come. They're a pretty good young core. They're only getting better. Um, adding Karis Levert to the mix. Uh, this was a huge. Uh, this was like a like a huge news. The Pacers. It was kind of known we're going to blow some stuff up. Um, they're going to go. You know, they were projected to be a big time team. And we knew that they were going to rebrand themselves in a way that didn't take them out of contention this year, but definitely for years to come. Mm -hmm. They didn't want to be a team that were just starting over at the rebuild. Um, that's like the worst time you can restart because it's all, it's all rentals moving around at this point. Really big, impactful players tend to either be rentals or unsure things. So... Um, the main goal from the Pacers was to get two first round picks for Levert. Um, they came about as close as you can possibly get to that. They got two second round picks and a first that will become a sec two seconds. If, um, if he doesn't, if they don't make the playoffs. Um, and uh, Houston, they get Houston's second round pick, which is basically a high end second round pick. So two first round picks is really what they kind of got out of it. Um, the question mark scratcher for a lot of Pacers fans was you dealt Levert for a player in Ricky Rubio who isn't going to be suiting up this year and probably never will suit up for Indiana. Um, but it's really, it's expiring money and it's just part of a deal that needed to happen. As for the Cavaliers, um, it, the big question is, are they going all in on Levert or are they going all in on their team dynamic? Um, it's been talked about in the NBA that draft picks, you know, really are very expendable compared to other sports because 
we've seen it time and again. I mean, look at Zion Williamson. We're only a couple of years out of the draft, and that's looking more and more like it's a bust every every day. Right. You know, I mean, the Philadelphia 76ers, they were a team where, you know, trust the process, trust the process, whatever. Look what the process has gotten on one player. Right. You know, the the Ben's, it looked like it was going to work for a while, but the Ben Simmons thing went away. Now, yes, that part of that, you know, Ben Simmons, we'll get to that, but that can be considered part of, but the process is over. So trusting the process really at the end of the day, it didn't work. Right. Going for, going for a full rebuild via the draft pick way is hard to do. Yeah. Um, The Cavs might've overpaid for Levert a little bit, but one thing that the Cavaliers desperately needed on their team was somebody that could slice to the basket and get contact in the paints on the cutting motion from the perimeter. The Cavaliers are one of the worst teams in the NBA at creating points off of generating slashing to the basket moves. Karis Levert is an A-plus player in that category. So they went out on their biggest offensive need they got. They have big men down low with Jared Allen and, and other players that can get garbage points and offensive rebounds and set down low screens and you know create havoc down low to let somebody driving in. They've got shooters on the perimeter having somebody that can actually drive to the basket and actually do damage like Karis LeVert can opens up your perimeter and creates more opportunities for your big men down low. They needed this in the biggest way. They went out and they got it. They're going to be a playoff team this year. They're going to be a force to be reckoned with years from now. They, they need to bring in some pieces now to start molding the team that they want to have for when that time comes. Yeah, I agree. And the thing is, like, you talk about Cleveland, a team that's kind of been like a symbol of, we'll call it mediocrity for a, a while. And this has been a first, like, upward upward trend in a while. And to, to take that risk, I think, is totally worth it for all the reasons you explained. You know, it's a, it's a team that, you know, could perhaps make a splash, you know, and, and get in the playoffs and make some noise. So, Well, and the thing, too, is, is what, the, what the Cleveland Cavaliers are doing now is something that the Chicago Bulls tried to do for a long time, and it didn't work, is – they built up a strong young core of promising players, and now they're trying. They're gonna. Their big goal is gonna be enticing to bring in that big major piece to help fill in the gap. An older player, mentor that can dominate, be good. Um, doesn't have to necessarily be LeBron James third time around in Cleveland, but it very well could be LeBron James. You know, there's a lot of problems going on in the Lakers organization right now. LeBron James could want out and go right back to Cleveland. You know, he's an Akron kid. He's he's hoping to be in the league for when Le, for when Bronny comes out. So, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, this trade, uh, you know, I'll pretty much give it, like, a, a pretty even notch. I mean, the Cavaliers on paper are going to walk away from this looking like the winners because they got the, the player that's going to immediately impact their team. But the Pacers, they set an, they set an asking price for Karis Levert, and they, they pretty much got what they wanted. So, it's kind of hard to argue someone losing right. in that. Like, like they, it's always hard to argue with, the, oh, they got the capital, you know. Right. Uh, moving on to the trade after that, this is kind of another, uh, you know, just warm bodies moving, trying to fill in some some pieces on some teams. Um, the Portland Trailblazers received um, Elijah Hughes, Joe Ingles, and a 2022 second round pick. The Spurs received Thomas Sadoransky, a 2027 second round pick. And the Utah Jazz received uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker and uh, Juan Hernan Gomez. So, for the Blazers, um, this this trade really just kind of shows them punting on Alexander Walker. Um, it, it's been kind of a question whether or not they, they believe in his uh, ability um, to operate in a, in a more complementary role. Um, and 
it gives them some flexibility this summer by uh, taking back some expiring money. Um, it's just kind of just like a, the Blazers are continuing to blow it up. Um, for the Spurs, um, Sadoransky's not going to be long for, for San Antonio. He's not going to be there for a long time. Maybe the rest of the season, maybe maybe gets wavered. Who knows? Um, but they turn, you know. But Brian Forbes or Bryn Forbes was a, a player that they they signed to a one year deal, and now now he's a, he's turned into two second round picks for him. It's not the the biggest uh, the sexiest move, but it's good management. It's it's not sexy but it's, it gets the job done. Right. I think on all fronts, these are teams that are kind of, they're stuck doing the same thing over and over and they're getting the same result. Um, like, like, like Portland at the doorstep time and time again, but, you know, just couldn't, couldn't crack. So, I mean, it's like, at what point do you, it, it for, for fans, it's kind of, it's rough to see, like, you know, splitting things up, but, you know, it's one of those like, inevitable things. Like, hey, we got, we got to do something different. Otherwise, we're just, we're wasting everybody's time. Yeah, and you know, with this trade, this ends the uh, the end of an era for Joe Ingles in Utah. Which, despite your your feelings towards Joe Ingles, I know our own man of many despises him. Um, but how would you feel about the Jazz or Joe Ingles? It, it is sad to see, but um, he wasn't going to play again this year after tearing his ACL, and there's a chance he would have not come back in free agency anyway. So they had an empty rotation spot. It turns it into two players who can take the floor for them this year. Um, they got rid of a 9.8 million trade exemption and they freed up about $10 million in total tax. So, I mean, did some cap movement, got a, got rid of, you know, basically dead roster space to fill it with some warm bodies. Um, the, the Alexander Walker trade, It'll be very a uh, very good question to see whether or not he's going to fit into Utah. Um, he, he's been struggling with uh, his off-ball movement and, and the game being off the ball this year, but Utah could be the perfect place for him to figure that out because they're a very big spacing team. Um, and, and Walker has some pretty decent range from uh, spot-up shots uh, beyond the arc. So we'll see what happens. Could be interesting. It's kind of just a warm body movement around trade. Uh, the basically the the Blazers continuing to, you know, move around pieces and free things up for who knows what they're going to be doing. San Antonio just doing San Antonio things, and Utah just kind of gearing up for what they're hoping to be another playoff run. Mm -hmm. Continuing the trend with the Portland Trail Blazers, the Portland Trail Blazers ascended. They sent, sended, sent. Oh, they CJ McCollum. CJ McCollum, Larry Jr., and Cody Snell to the New Orleans Pelicans in exchange for Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Josh Hart, D.D. Uh, Lozada, Thomas Sadoransky, a 2022 first-round pick uh, protected in one through four, um, 2026 second-round pick, and a 2027 second-round pick. So... That answers everything you needed to know. Right. 
about what we were talking about yeah. earlier. And I kind of jumped the gun a little bit when you were talking about it, you know, about about Portland anyway. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, it, it, it tied in with everything that you were saying about you know uh, about Utah and all that. It's a, like for for Portland, it's kind of the same thing. It's like that that was kind of a long, not a long standing, but you know, it was it was McCollum and um, I can't think of his name now. God. Um, Gonna say Lamarcus Aldridge, but it's definitely not right. Um, Who are you talking about? Uh, for for Portland, there. Um, Damian Lillard. They, yeah, like like that. That was like you know, hey, these are, these are our pieces that we're gonna roll with, and you know, now once again, like that that's that's over. Yeah. So I kind of went out of order here because the the it was kind of tough because the um the, the 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 Utah trade actually happened after the McCollum trade, so. Um, you know, they, they acquired him from the Pelicans and then immediately turned and flipped him. Yeah. Um, you know, Sadoransky. Um, hey, Pelicans got some defense, though, out of Tony Snell. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, the Pelican, it's, it's, it's kind of rough because they're taking on a $70 million contract in McCollum for two years. Um, and they're not going to have a lot of wiggle room on, on the tax next season. So that one's kind of rough. Um, it's, it, it's tough. CJ McCollum it, it has kind of always been the back, the back half of the, the Damian Lillard backcourt. You know, I mean, I don't think there's any question there. You know, he, he's the, the, the unsung hero. It's uh they're, they're a step below the Splash Brothers, if that makes sense. Um, him and Brandon Ingram are bound to have some overlap in terms of uh, area of play and whatnot. The Pelicans will be fine. The, the McCollum's no stranger to working away from the ball, and he has spent his whole career alongside Damian Lillard, somebody who demands the ball much more than Brandon Ingram does. Right, and um, in a way, it kind of op- perhaps opens things up for him, you know. But it, and with CJ McCollum's both playmaking ability and three point ability, could really open up the floor if and when there is ever a Zion Williamson return. <laughs> big if there. Yeah, the big thing really is is is, is getting rid of a lottery protected, a lottery pick that's currently protected. Um, that's really the big thing there for the for the Trailblazers. At the end of the day, they got a they got a pretty good haul, and then did pretty good things with those players and the other three team trade to bring in some assets to kind of start this blow up rebuild. The big question is going to be what's going to happen with Damian Lillard. So he was not moved by the deadline. Um, the 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 talk was are they just going to go into a big blow up mode? Damian Lillard has come out both publicly and privately with the organization and said, I want to be here. This is where I want to be. I like playing in Portland. I love Oregon. I'm a staple of this community. I want to keep being a staple of this community on and off the court. I don't want to go anywhere. So, but what's hard, you know, what's got to be hard for Damian Lillard is that they're, they're pretty much doing him a disjustice the way they're handling this is they're going into a full rebuild. Now, some teams can turn around a full rebuild. Some teams can't. Portland's not a big team, not a big market team. So the attraction in terms of free agency, big name free agents that can come in and immediately make them an impactful team isn't as big as if you're, you know, even New Orleans. You know, New Orleans is a small market, but it's, right. at least it's New Orleans. 
farm. There's a party scene. It's not, you know, it's a close drive to Miami, Houston. Um, but I, Portland's a little out of the way. It's tough, too, because, like, everything you're saying, when it's become, it's a little, you know, too little, too late. I, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's tough. I mean, it, it seems, though, very much so that, like, the, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what's going on with the, the uh, Damian Lillard standpoint, you know, like, is there going to become a time where he's going to want to, because he's not young. Right. So. Uh, let's see here. What is the next trade we're going to? Um, did we touch on uh, Pacers Kings? No, sorry, I'm just re-grabbing my notes here. All right, hold on, sorry, I, I closed out of my notes. No problem. I blame you. Yeah, hey, that's fair. Hmm. Kendall, you a big basketball guy now? Just trade up and get you hooked? <laughs> Listen, I always enjoy basketball. I just do just a, such a bad job at, like, you know. You know Watching any of it. Yeah. That's very true. I um, enjoy it a lot. All right, here we go. The uh, LA Clippers receive Robert Covington and Normal Powell, Norman Powell from the Blazers in exchange for Eric Bledsoe, Keon Johnson, Justice Winslow, and a 2025 second-round pick. Um, so for the Clippers, this is an A-plus trade. Um, I think a lot of people thought that the Clippers would be, you know, approaching this deadline as, you know, like middle sellers, you know, obviously not shipping the big names, but maybe looking at, at getting rid of some of these pieces and kind of figuring out what the future holds for them. Um, Kawhi Leonard is more than likely going to miss the rest of the season with this uh, partially torn ACL, and Paul George hasn't played since mid to late December with his elbow injury, um, so you could definitely chalk it up to kind of just a lost cause season. Um, but with two stars like that, both of them looking like they're going to definitely be ready to play come playoffs. If you can keep yourself in contention, you can bring back a lot of fire firepower. Right. Um, so they're kind of just, they kind of turned in from what I think a lot of people thought would be like, you know, mild sellers to optimistic and opportunistic buyers. <laughs> um, they don't own their own first round this year because of Oklahoma city part of the, the Paul George deal. Um, luxury tax doesn't seem to matter much when you're in the state of uh, California. <laughs> um, money over there. It's, 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 it's really, it's about Norman Powell. He's a perfect complement to the Paul George, Kawhi Leonard offense, but plus Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, both being so good defensively. Um, he's going to be that floor general point guard. He's good at stretching defenses. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, both good spot-up shooters. Um, he's got a good three-point shot and is also good at adding pressure offensively to the rim. Um, and they don't get that from most of their, most of their uh, perimeter off, uh, options right now. Um, add Robert Covington. It's just icing on the top. Um, he's been a lot better this season after his bench placement. Um, and he, I mean, all the way back to his 
76ers days and, 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 and other teams he's played for, he's just always kind of been the uh, team first defender. He's not going for the, the flashy steals or the big swap block. He just plays solid defense the whole way through and through. Um, it'd be interesting. Um, especially because the Clippers are going to have to maximize small ball lineups in order to be successful the rest of this year and in the playoffs. Robert Covington, when you're that good defensively, you can afford to go small ball a little bit more. And then if they do get everyone back, having Powell, Covington, Leonard, and George, that right there is a, is a real mean one, two, three, four punch defensively in a small ball rotation. Um, you know, Covington might be there next year. Who knows? But at this point, it was just icing on the cake for this year. Um, for the Blazers, I don't know. I feel like they didn't get enough. Eric Bledsoe has kind of just been Eric Bledsoe his whole career. Keon Johnson and Justice Winslow or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then they get a second round pick. The, the Blazers made it clear that their, uh, their main goal is uh, having a flexible future basically now. Um, and they want to basically reshape the roster completely around Damian Lillard. Um, I don't know that the players they achieved getting in this trade are, are going to do that. And you walk away with one second round pick, which is kind of just whatever at this point. Um, I don't know. I feel like they didn't need to move Norman Powell in order to do what they're trying to do. I feel like they, they moved him to move him. They did, you know, they made a move to made him make a move. Um, and and I, I don't think it was the one that they really needed to do. Right. It just sounds like another head scratching thing for them. And like, yeah, who knows? You know, maybe this is like, oh, well, going into next season, now we have guys that we're going to flip again. I, I, that's one thing I could think of. Yeah. I don't know. I just, my thing is, is like, unless Portland, like, it's just infatuated with Keon Johnson, uh, I just feel like this wasn't a deal that needed to be done now. But, you take when you can. You take what you can when you can do it, right? Yeah. All right. So, kind of the second blockbuster trade of uh, the trade deadline was the Indiana Pacers receiving Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson in exchange from the Sacramento Kings. Uh, in ex- sorry, the Pacers received Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Heald, and Tristan Thompson from the Sacramento Kings in exchange for Justin Holiday, Jeremy Lamb, DeMontis Sabonis, and the 2023 uh, second-round pick. So this trade, I didn't see it coming from the standpoint of I didn't see the Pacers dealing Sabonis. I thought he was going to kind of be the untouchable part of their roster, Mm -hmm. and I didn't see Sacramento dealing both Heald and Halliburton, um, especially in the same package deal. Because the Kings are, they got a good squad, but they just can't get over that hump. And really, De'Aaron Fox was pretty much the only untouchable piece of that group. So, um, I don't know. 
Well, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, it's interesting in the, in the sense that, in a way, it's almost kind of like a trailblazers thing where it's like, hey, this was our group for a while. Uh, we're not really doing anything. We can't, you know, get up. Okay, so let's just break everything up. We'll keep we'll keep our main piece, and then we're just gonna, you know, change up the lockers. It, it did kind of catch me by surprise, as well, especially like to not e- explore the market a little more, like to to see, uh, well, what can we get for healed and on its own, and 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 what what can we get for you know Halliburton to another team? It just seems like okay. All right, uh, who's interested in these players? Indiana deal. Yeah. Um, it's interesting. So, I mean, so if if you're going from like a rebuild standpoint from the Pacers, Demontis Sabonis is definitely not out of the equation for a rebuild. He's only 24 years old. But the big thing is is that free agency for Demontis is looming, albeit 2024. It is coming, and Demontis Sabonis has earned himself a payday when that time comes. Barring injuries or setbacks from his game, he's going to get a big payday. And his first game, as we're recording this, he's already had his first game as a king. And I think he put up a double double flirting with a triple double. Um, so you know, he the guy can, you know, the guy can play. Um Therese Halliburton, only Mike Connolly has a higher uh converted a higher percentage and pull and a lot of people kind of criticize the Pacers for getting rid of their best player or draft picks because they're kind of rescoping themselves now and they're not gonna they're not gonna get the ultimate result they want out of the trade deadline by just um, by just getting picks. They need players in return. So, and Buddy Heald isn't, isn't a zero. Um, I think, too, the, the contrarian thing to what we're both saying is for both these teams that they're, they're getting the chemistry that is already kind of there with all those players in, in that package. Like, it's not just a one-off. You're getting, you know – the three, the three and three, essentially for guys who played together now for, you know, so it's not like you're coming entirely cold. Getting all right, here you go, new new scheme, learn it, get get involved. You know, is that that hey, you know, I, I know what I'm getting with these guys. Right, and the thing with the Pacers too, like Pacers fans need to you know rest assured too that yet while they're taking on Buddy Hield's contract, you're not getting zero, nothing in return for it. Buddy Hield is you know he's a good shooter. He's a functioning shooter, um, and he can open up the floor for you know these ball handlers like Halliburton and these other and the other players in their team. So it, they're not getting nothing out of Buddy Heald. It just hurts to bring on such a big contract mm-hmm. with it. And Tristan Thompson is he's a shot blocker. He can play good defense down low. Um, and then for in, in the terms of Sacramento Kings, Jeremy Lamb role filler, Justin Holiday role filler. Um, interesting to see uh what it's going to be for Sabonis to the Kings um he's he's going to kind of need to be that new engine in the offense De'Aaron Fox obviously not going to be that for them the rest of this year um the way Sabonis commands the floor down low uh at their center rotation um is going to be a breath of fresh air for them mm-hmm. um that's all it's really going to be the scoring the passing, um, he's going to be able to, to demolish big men down low in the West with his passing. He's going to come, come up with a lot of great him and Jokic matchups down the line. Um, and Sabonis, while he might not look like an intimidating guy, rebounds like a machine and screens, you know, people very well and doesn't take flack from it. 
Um, it's going to be interesting. The The big thing I'm worried about from the King standpoint long-term is what is the Rashawn Holmes and Sabonis combo um, going to do? Because they're not big. Neither of them are floor spacers. Um, Sabonis obviously commands um, obviously commands, you know, attention from defenses outside of the paint area, but he's not a big high volume shooter outside from mid range or from outside. So, you know, you're going to need to pay attention to him, but you're not going to have to press up on him from a shooting standpoint. You're just going to have to kind of get up into his jersey to make sure he's not slashing to the basket from the mid range. Um, so it's going to be interesting from there. Um, his chemistry with Deer and Fox is what I think a lot of people are really looking forward to. But I think a lot of it, um, you know, I think it's incomplete great for the Kings until we can kind of see the Deer and Fox thing go down. Mm-hmm. Um, just a no-nothing trade here to talk about. The Phoenix Suns got Aaron Holiday from the Wizards for cash. Kind of whatever. <laughs> um, really, I think I think that Holiday was really just a depth move in case there's anything seriously wrong with down the line Cameron Payne and uh, Landry Shamit's injuries. They're both battling some injuries at the moment, playable but decent ones. Um, but it's kind of just whatever. And then the Wizards got cash. You know, one thing about cash is. It, it never never a bust move. Right. You can, you can spend that cash. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the next trade from there, the San Antonio Spurs got Goran Dragic, uh, 2022 first-round pick, and in exchange for, from the Raptors, who got Thad Young, uh, Drew Eubanks, and a 2022 second-round pick. Uh, so for this one, um, I don't know. This one's a little. This one's a little tough. I think a lot of people like on paper was that the Raptors gave up a first round pick for Thaddeus Young, who San Antonio wasn't using. Um, but Goran Dragic was playing less time than Thaddeus Young was. Um, kind of. Like I a, think that. Go ahead. Kind of a break up a log jam type move. Yeah. Well, I think the thing is, I think the Raptors are. Um, I think the Raptors are looking towards being like you know a, a legit team in the playoffs this year, despite what a lot of people, myself included, had them written off before the season started. Bringing in Thad Young, he's one of the smartest defenders in the league. Um, he can pretty much play at any pace the Raptors decide they want to play at, and he's very good at rolling to the basket. Um, the only thing that I think could become a problem down the line is in situations where Pascal Siakam's out of the lineup and you're going to have Thaddeus Young playing in there against your, your, your with your big man because Thad Young's not a, not a floor spacer. Um, so that one will be interesting. Um, but they could also just play small ball with Thad Young at the five like the Bulls did last year. Mm-hmm. Um, Thaddeus Young is definitely never going to shy away from any challenges. Um and for Eubanks, I, th- I think it was just – I think Toronto just wanted – it just wanted, a, like, a, a more, like, to-the-stone big man. 
Um, it's really it's kind of like whatever it is, whatever it is. For the Spurs, um, for for the Spurs, I think their big thing is Jesus. Look what you can do with asset management and smart front office. Uh, last year, last offseason, the Spurs tra- uh, did a sign and trade for DeMar DeRozan to the Bulls, uh, acquiring a first-round pick, and Thad Young. Now they've traded Thad Young for a first-round pick, so they basically got two first-round picks for DeMar DeRozan, um, with, which at the time people would have said, holy shit. But now with the way DeMar DeRozan's playing, I need to dust my own shoes off there, but... Um, And when you really consider who San Antonio gave up to get DeMar DeRozan, not counting Kawhi Leonard, um, it's interesting. Um, obviously, so losing Eubank stings, especially because San Antonio loves to have the traditional big man. But Jacob, uh, Jacob Poltol, uh, um, he's the, 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 the main part of the Spurs center rotation. A lot of teams were vying for him as a, as a rock center big man. For their teams, I believe there was uh, reports of the Bulls making tra- uh, making calls to the Spurs. I think there was things about the Wizards making calls. There were a lot of teams interested, but the Spurs didn't budge on him, which just goes to show you what his future potential ceiling is. Because if if Pop doesn't want to trade you, yeah, there's something there. Um, so and, and you know they're going to eventually be getting the return of Zach Collins too, which helps. So. Um, Really, what makes this deal so so smart for San Antonio is that they completely underutilized Thaddeus Young from the minute he got there. Um, they should have played him more. They should have used him more, especially after what he did in Chicago last year. Um, I think had they played him more, it would have been harder for them to get a deal in which they could have gotten another like a first round pick for him because he would have been playing well. He either would have been playing well enough to the point where it would have been hard to trade him or hard to get a package where you get something in return plus a first round pick mm-hmm. um, or he would have been not doing well enough and would have diminished his first round pick capabilities. So San Antonio put on you as fucking always. Yeah. Uh, the Boston Celtics received Daniel Feiss from the Houston Rockets in exchange for Dennis Schroeder, Bruno Fernando and Ennis freedom. Cantor. sad to see the uh, Ennis Cantor days. And again, <laughs> um, the Celtics brought back Daniel Theis. He's got two uh, two guaranteed years left on his deal, and um, it's weird because like the Celtics, they're not lacking big men. Um, they did get rid of two big men as part of this trade, but um. It's interesting. I mean, they, they did the extension they gave to Robert Williams III was a great deal. I don't know how they got away with doing it. Um, so so Thice being his primary backup um, isn't isn't the end of the world. Um, with Al Horford there, though, it's going to make the center rotation a little heavy. Um, but Horford's only there for one more year, guaranteed. And uh, Grant Williams... This good shooter can play along with any of uh, the fives there. So, you know, it's interesting. 
it, it's it's a trade that seems like for either team, it's not really a, a gain nor a loss. It's just, hey, we shifted players. Like, I, I don't – to me, I mean, you know, Houston's kind of been out, out of sorts for a while now, but I, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't really see a winner from either. It's just it, – it just seems like, hey, let's swap for people that we know. Yeah, people that you know, and, and I think the thing, too, is that – um. They have they have the roster spots to work with too. Um, for the Rockets, it's really it's Rockets. This trade pretty much just kind of sums up that like they fucked up on the Daniel Tice contract. Um, <laughs> they gave a twenty nine year old they gave a twenty nine year old three years guaranteed, um, and they had when they had done that they had just drafted uh, Sangin and they still have Christian Wood on their team. Um, I don't know. So the, the nice thing about this is that Houston is is loading off the final two years of the deal to Boston and Hole, um, and they didn't have to relinquish any draft equity to do it. Um, but the flip is they're getting Dennis Schroeder, who, for a team that's so bad right now, is such a roller coaster of a player, um, and it's hard to kind of implement offensive structure around a player like Dennis Schroeder, who's so up and down with his performances. Mm-hmm. So. And I believe, I think they, I think they just got rid of, I think they got rid of Ennis and Bruno as well. So kind of just was a whatever type of thing. Freed up some stuff. Oh, Houston already um, flipped them? Hmm? Houston already flipped those guys? Yeah, I think so. Really? Have to look into it. All right, uh, Boston got a second round pick in exchange for uh, got a second round pick from the Magic in exchange for PJ Dozer and Paul Bull, um, and some cash. So the Celtics um, they gave up two players who weren't doing anything on the team. They weren't even active members to get two two roster spots and free up some tax space. Um, It's interesting. Um, they got the second round pick out of it. Just get some capital, free up some spots. For the Magic, um, I don't know. It's kind of a whatever trade. Right. I mean, yeah, it's what it is. It's like, what, it's like, like well, hey, happy for you. What, what are you going to do with these guys now? Like, what are you going to do that Boston wasn't already doing? Well, the thing with Dozier is, is if you can if you can lock up his shooting, if you can make him a more solid shooter, say thirty seven to thirty nine percent, you know, shooter, that could be good because he is he is a wing defender, and wing defenders will always have a spot in this league, no matter how bad you are offensively, there will always be a spot, an open roster spot for somebody that can defend wing players through and through on this league. So, um, again, another kind of. Whatever trade, the uh, Pacers received Jalen Smith and a second-round pick from the Suns in exchange for Torrey Craig. Um, for Indiana, uh, getting rid of getting rid of uh, Torrey Craig basically just ensues more minutes for the younger, lesser-known players on the team that have a, a better chance of being there through the whole Pacers reconstruction and, and, and rebuild. Um, Craig was going to eat up those minutes that those younger guys would have gotten. Um Plus, it gives um, it gives more options into uh, the Malcolm Brogdon, Tyrese Halliburton, 
Buddy Heald and Chris Duarte combo, how you're going to work those three players together or work those four players together, not necessarily all at once into a lineup, but what pairings are going to work, what threesomes are going to work, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, for the Suns, it's, it's whatever. The Suns get Tory Craig. Congrats. <laughs> I mean, he, he was he was partially, you know, he, he, he had a bit of a round with Phoenix last year. He was impactful. Um, he's limited offensively, but he's he's a decent rebounder. Um, he puts pressure at the basket. And, and he can get, he can, it's weird, he can't get hot from three. And we've seen it happen where he gets hot from three for like weeks. Um, but he, he's a very gritty defender. And Phoenix... Phoenix is going to need that making making a deep run. All right. I'm just going to keep going here. All right. So we'll move on to this one. This is a, a bizarre trade that happened that made me sad. Um, 14 trade between the Pistons, Clippers, Bucks, and Kings. The Pistons received Marvin Bagley the third. The Clippers got Rodney Hood in uh, semi-Ojalai. The Bucks got Serge Ibaka, 2022 second-round pick, and a 24 second-round pick. And the Kings got Devante, or Dante DiVincenzo, Josh Jackson, and Trey Lyles. Um, for the Pistons, getting Bagley, I think it's a that's a no-brainer. Um, they they had uh, having Trey Lyles. Um, he's shown signs of being decent, but I think that. What he's doing for the Pistons this year, like his role for the Pistons is way bigger than the Pistons wanted it to be for them. Um, and, and I don't think that Trey Lyles really was part of the bigger picture for them. Um, Bagley's kind of been like a black sheep in Sacramento for some time now. Um, he's going to be forever known as the guy who the Kings drafted instead of Luka Doncic, um, which is pretty much always going to guarantee your, your demise on a team. Right. Um, he hasn't really done a whole lot since his rookie season to kind of put those to bed, but he's still he's still a big man who can be annoying. Um, he runs the floor. He's quick. Um, he's good with the ball in his hands. Um, he, he's been getting better at shooting, and Detroit needs all the shooting they can get from behind the arc, so he's going to get the green light to just keep improving that three-point shot. Um so I think I think from the Pistons standpoint that was pretty good. For the Clippers, um, yeah, I don't know. For the Clippers, they got rid of thirty million dollars. <laughs> I mean, Ibaka was probably not going to stay after this season anyway, with free agency looming. They they sent him to a contender in in the Bucks. Um. And it opens up the door for, for younger players that are going to be a part of the team long run. Um, plus, like we said earlier, they got Norman Powell. For the Bucks, they got Serge Ibaka. I mean, this is this is a fucking no-brainer grade A for them. Um, Serge Ibaka is, always seems to be on a team that's in the mix. He's always an impactful part of that team in a mix. Turning DiVincenzo into Ibaka is 
absolutely great, especially considering DiVincenzo's injuries. Um, Ibaka is just he's a, he's a he's a quality rotation big man, and they desperately need that with Brook Lopez being absent with back issues, and Ibaka you know Ibaka doesn't move like he used to. He's gotten older, but he still has defensive. He still has a good defensive IQ. He still has shot blocking abilities, and he's a three point stretch more so than Brook Lopez, um, and. Surge can be a mean one-two punch with both Giannis and Bobby Portis. Um, and you think of, you know, we talked about small ball for a lot of these teams. The Bucks have the ability to do something that a lot of teams can do effectively, and that's go real big. They can play Surge at the five, with Portis at the four, and Giannis at the three. Three, you know, three six-foot-ten monster guys that are all gritty, long wingspan shot blockers with, you know, three-point range under their belt. Um It's going to be pretty pretty interesting to see what the Bucks are going to be able to do with this big man rotation now. Well, I mean, they cleaned up. They got player picks cash. I mean, you can't really be 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 as many second rounders, but hey, that's like falling falling in green. Right, and then for the Kings, they finally got Divincenzo, who they've kind of been after for a long time. Um, it's not the Divincenzo that they wanted, but they got it for nothing, and they got rid of Marvin Bagley, and you know. There you go. The books just got better. It's really the, the big point of that. Uh, the Boston Celtics received Derek White from the Spurs in exchange for Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford, and a first-round pick uh, for the Celtics. Um, for the Celtics, Derek White is a very sneaky and uh, annoying defender who... Um, is very good at, at, at locking down the point of attack, which there's a lot of that in the, the East. Um, the Celtics defense has definitely taken big downfalls despite how good their offense has been. But um, with Brown, Tatum, Smart, and Robert Williams, um, they, they have the ability to athletically and pesky make make their opponent's life's complete hell on the defensive side of the ball. Um He's not going to be what they're looking for offensively, but they don't need, they really don't need more offense when you consider having White, or I mean, Tatum Brown. Um, plus, not to mention the help that they do get occasionally from Marcus Smart. This was really something to shore up the defense, which has really been hurting mm-hmm. the Celtics throughout this entire season. For the Spurs, um, it's just, con- you know, continue to, to turn assets into better assets. You know, this is the, the Spurs are usually not the, uh, the big time movers at the deadline, but uh, you know they're they're not what they used to be, and they're they're accumulating the assets to get there. It's always chess moves with them, anyway. Yep, it it, it really is. You know, watch. You know, you'll you'll be looking back at all these trade deadline moves three years from now when they're relevant again. Yeah. Uh, the Charlotte Hornets get Montrezl Harrell from the Wizards in exchange for Ish Smith and Vernon Carey Jr. Uh, so for the Hornets, um, Harrell's not going to do anything interior defensive-wise um, to help that team, which they desperately need interior defense. But they also need uh, 
Hornets also need down down low attack as in the worst way. Um, and a team that you know that's you know they, they have strong athletic players and Kelly Oubre, Mike uh, Miles Bridges, Lamelo that can explode to the rim, finish with you know absolute authority. But in terms of posting up down low and making defenders down lows life hell, they don't have that. Their big man is Plumlee, who's more of a passer than anything else. Um, Montrez Harrell is an absolute pressure cooker down low. And um, I think it's going to mix very well with Lamelo and Oubre in transition. Um, I think a lot of people wanted the Hornets to make a bigger move this offseason or this uh, trade deadline, especially considering how young and athletically explosive they are. They kind of need someone that can slow the pace down when it needs to be slowed down and kind of take control. But the problem is, is they kind of have too many players now that feel like they're in control and it's hard to bring somebody like that in. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see what's going to happen with that for the wizards. Just gave Ish Smith another place to play. Yeah. Um, this, this move on its own, if this was a standalone move, you would have been really concerned because Montrezl with Bradley Beal now being out for the rest of the season with wrist surgery. Montrezl was their best offensive weapon, and you traded away for two backups. Um, but we'll get into we'll get into why it's it's not the end of the world trade for them that it turned out like if we thought it was going to be, because the next trade that happened was the Dallas Mavericks uh, acquired Spencer Dinwiddie and Dave, uh, Davis Bertans from the Wizards in exchange for a second round pick and the unicorn Kristaps Porzingis. <laughs> so for the Wizards, you got the. Uh, Quasi always injured Porzingis, so it definitely takes on a risk of its own. He's got about seventy million on two years left in his contract, um, and like we said, the injuries keeps him uh, causes struggles for availability. But he's got a huge upside player. He's a huge upside player. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got huge highs. He's a dominant rim protector. He's got great shot blocking ability, rebounding, pretty much limitless range for a seven footer. Um, when he gets going, when he gets angry, he's unstoppable on the floor. He's got quick feet and good ball handles for somebody of his size. Um, the defense has slipped for them. Getting rid of Bertans, Montrez Harrell. That helps a little bit. Um, it's going to be interesting to see what happens between him and Gafford. Um, Basically, the worst case scenario for the Wizards in this deal is that they got somebody who is more expensive than Bertans, but on a shorter deal. So it'll hurt if he's not good or not active, but you only got to suffer that pain for two years. Whereas with Bertans, you were doing it for multiple years. And with Beal going down for the rest of the year, maybe this entices, you know, Beal has always kind of been vocal about saying he wants to stay with Washington. He has he gave the wizards kind of like his blessing to like, look at trade packages this year, though never came out and said, I want to leave. Mm-hmm. Maybe this kind of changes things up a little bit. Cause Beal and uh, Porzingis could be a mean one, two punched. Excuse me. Going into this off season. Um, and 
And then uh, I don't understand why the Mavericks did this trade. I don't know if it's because they're they're concerned about Porzingis's injury issues. Um, I don't know if they wanted to try to turn his big cap into two players. I don't know if there was further truth about the the, the, the disdain between him and Doncic. I don't know, but. Bertans is making $50 million over three years. So it's not like they traded away major cap for nothing. They're taking on a big deal in its own right. And the Spencer Dinwiddie trade, it's really interesting because they could have signed him a few years ago, and instead they gave Tim Hardaway Jr. this massive fucking deal and then turned around and traded a big contract and one of their most important players for Spencer Dinwiddie later. Yeah. Well, the Mavericks doing this, it makes no sense. I, I the Mavericks got to start being very careful because unlike a lot of these other players that come over, uh, you know, Luka Doncic has been playing professional basketball for a very long time. And I don't think his loyalties are going to lie with Dallas for long if they keep supplying him with a cast of misfits. Yeah. I mean, I have to imagine that it was something personnel wise because, you know, the Doncic Porzingis connection kind of seemed like a no brainer and it seemed to work mm. pr- pretty well. So maybe what you're alluding to, maybe it's like, all right, let's let's break this duo up, you know. And let's get to what we came here for. <laughs> the Brooklyn Nets received the Brooklyn Nets received Ben Simmons, Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, a 2022 first round pick unprotected, with the right to defer it to 2023 if they choose, a 2027 first round pick, top eight protected for Philadelphia in exchange to Philadelphia for James Harden and Paul Millsap. This trade for me was the, one of the biggest blockbuster trades that we've seen in years with not the blockbuster results. I think everyone wants it to have. Um, my immediate breakdown from it is the, the big takeaway from Philadelphia is that they were able to get James Harden now. Now, the speculation is that they were going to sign him in the offseason anyway. So whether or not they are able to turn it into a long-term deal, we'll find that out later. But the big concern was, are they going to be able to get James Harden at the deadline without giving up Tyrese Maxey or Matisse Thibel, the two players that were pretty much considered untouchable outside of Joel Embiid? Um, and they did it. So hats off to the front office there in Philadelphia. They were able to keep their two biggest young talents – they and they were able to keep Tobias Harris, which big contract, but important role. The Nets got Ben Simmons, which there was links to them wanting Ben Simmons. They got a prolific shooter in Seth Curry. They got a big man that know that can rebound and block shots, and they got draft capital, which they're probably going to need coming down the line. And then the Philadelphia 76ers just throw in Paul Millsap. So, um. Basically, the, there's there's three ways to really look at this trade from the net standpoint. What did it cost them to rent Harden for basically no real end result? Um, what, what did having Harden with a part-time Kyrie Irving and an injured Kevin Durant really show about their organization and what it devolved into? And now what are they? What, what is this team? Um, they had Harden for less than two seasons, and it cost them a lot. They basically turned Jared Allen... Karis LeVert, th- three first-round picks, 
and four swaps into Ben Simmons, Curry, and Andre Drummond, and two first. So, I mean, basically, Simmons, Curry, Drummond for Levert, Allen, a pick, and worse first. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, for me, you know, I, I kind of agree with the sentiment. Like, this was like, this was like supposed to be a, a big payoff, and it doesn't seem the way. It, to me, it's like, hey, these are two players that were kind of unhappy where they were. Let's switch them, right, and, and send them what they want to do. And there's a lot of pieces that were moved. All when all said and done, a lot of stuff happened to make this one little thing happen. Right. And I think what's important to take away from this is that in the grand scheme of things for both teams, this trade's a win. And the big win is going to come from the standpoint of when Ben Simmons is back and playing at a full caliber clip, which is going to take some time. Um, what you can expect from Ben Simmons, you know, there's all the, there's all the, the speculations about how he's not good and he's not an offensive player and whatever, and, and this and that, and we'll see what happens. You know, I, I think that, I think Ben Simmons' offensive ceiling is higher than it was is higher anywhere else than it was in Philadelphia because I don't think for Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons is he, he's a power forward that handles the ball as a point guard and they have Joel Embiid who needs the ball in his hands to succeed. And when you have two players that constantly need to have the ball in their hands to be impactful and are pretty much not impactful offensively, other than having the ball in their hands, you're going to have, someone's going to suffer. And with Ben Simmons being essentially a big point guard who can't shoot, he's going to suffer the most. Now, he definitely has problems offensively that need to be addressed and need to work on. But you got a pretty much otherworldly defender in Ben Simmons. He's an absolute unit and force to be reckoned with on the defensive side of the ball, no matter who he's linking up against. He can play against bigs. He can play against smalls. He's got speed. He's got size, reach. He's got finesse on the steals. He's got the speed to jump passing routes. He's got the height and the jumping to block shots. He, he's an otherworldly defender. And you got him... At the end of the day, regardless of everything else, the picks, Paul Millsap, Seth Curry, the end of the day, this is what this is going to boil down to years from now, was that the Nets traded James Harden for Ben Simmons. And what did that work out to? Mm-hmm. Four years from now, Seth Curry is not going to be there. Andre Drummond's not going to be there. Paul Millsap's not going to be there. The picks are going to have been used, and they're going to be done with whatever happens with them. Where's James Harden going to be? Where's Ben Simmons going to be? If everything goes the way that the league thinks it's going to go and the way a lot of people think it's going to go, Ben Simmons is going to be a net. And James Harden is still going to be a 76er. So what's that going to mean for the impact of those teams? James Harden pretty much was out the door before the offseason even got here. He wasn't coming back as a Brooklyn Net. I think that was pretty much set in stone. I think the only way that that would have happened would have been if the Nets were somehow able to deal Kyrie at the deadline, which was never going to happen as a part-time player. So you got something and not a bad something in exchange for somebody that you were going to lose for nothing. And the way the season was going for the Nets with Kevin Durant's injuries, injury history, Kyrie Irving being a part-time player, James Harden not playing the way James Harden's used to being played or playing at the level that he's used to playing at, the writing was on the wall that this was not going to be the season for the Nets. So not only were you risking losing him for nothing, but you were risking losing him for nothing in a non-winning fashion. So albeit the controversial Ben Simmons, they got something, and that's a win. And it's that simple. They 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 had a win in this situation. Um, 
Simmons' offensive flaws, especially with his range and being a very passive player, are not as troubling to a team that has Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving as they were to a team that really only had Joel Embiid in terms of takeover performance. They had Tobias Harris, and when Tobias Harris came over, he he did the, he started to show flashes of the Clippers' Tobias Harris, but it wasn't the same Tobias Harris, and he has still not been the same Tobias Harris. He, he's not going to go out and get you 22 points a game if he's playing every single game anymore. That's not who Tobias Harris is on this team. That's not who anybody on this team is going to be with the exception of the ultimate alpha scorer like a James Harden. Joel Embiid is that guy on that team. And until you put in somebody like James Harden, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, nobody else is going to consistently average 21 points a game on that team. It's just not going to happen. Um, ben Simmons with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, it adds a humongous piece of defense to that team that, quite frankly, has been atrocious defensively. Kevin Durant has the ability to be a lockdown defender, but picks and chooses when he wants to do it. Kyrie Irving, James Harden, they don't play defense. And what Brooklyn really needs is they need they need a defense. So that adds some big-time defense and somebody who's rel- relatively not injured. Right. And from everything that I'm getting with it, what you're saying is that, you know, obviously Ben Simmons needs to improve offensively. But on a Nets team, you can plug in Ben Simmons just the type of player he is right now, and he can succeed. Right. And the big thing is going to be what's going to happen. To, like, this is all going to be dependent this year can this trade help impact the Nets now? That's going to be entirely reliant on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Kevin Durant should be fine when he comes back from his MCL injury. He should be okay. But the NBA and Kyrie Irving saga is going to be a continued part-time thing. And the only way that's going to change is if New York changes its COVID vaccination policy. Mm-hmm. Or Kyrie gets vaccinated. And so, you know... Two, two bulls button heads on that one. We're not going to get political on the whole vaccination thing, but in order for the Ben Simmons thing to really fully work right now, he needs both Durant and Irving there. Um, Curry is a, is a nice piece for them to pick up because he's going to help take off some of the offensive burden. It's going to allow Kevin Durant to be more of a pull-up shooter and a, a slasher. He doesn't have to do this, the spot. Spot-up shooting Curry will be that guy for them. Um, and, and it'll be nice because it'll be a nice change because Harden was kind of overworked. Um, I don't know. The, the question, you know, it's, it's interesting because a lot of people thought maybe Harden was on the, the start of an early decline. You're not really going to know. Um, the big thing is, you know, the, people are going to think that this and we're going to think they're more balanced for this the problem is, is none of this is going to really be known until it happens right and the thing is is what we're the thing that's going to be curious is you know you have to assume that now that ben simmons has been dealt ben simmons is going to be ready to go activation mode ready to come back and play in the nba <clears throat> i don't know what his off season and uh sit out um strategies have been in terms of health and fitness if he's been grinding, working on his stuff, I, I don't know. I haven't really paid much attention to it, um, to be completely fair. But the one thing that's nice is for Ben Simmons, you know, one thing that we saw was like with, with Clay Thompson missing two years coming back, Clay Thompson shooting about 37% from three. 
and that's down from his career average of 42. And 30, you know, people, oh, it's only 5%. 5% is a big, big number. That's a big number in the NBA in terms right. of shooting. But you don't have to worry about that with Ben Simmons because Ben Simmons is only going, his only expectations is that he's going to be finishing at the rim and playing solid defense. And those things you don't lose with time off. The only thing that's going to be a question is, is he going to have the stamina to come back in and start playing 32 minutes a game? Because that's what he's going to be needed to do. Because with Durant not being there, Irving being part-time, you just lost Harden. You're going to need, you're going to need some sort of star player to come in. I do think that a big sleeper that really isn't talked a lot about is the Andre Drummond acquisition. It just gives him solid rebounding. I, in, in a situation down the stretch when Kevin Durant is back and you're playing in a game where you have Kyrie Irving playing the point, if you have a situation where you have Kevin Durant, Ben Simmons, and Andre Drummond down low, there's no rebound that's not a Nets ball. It's going to be – I mean, you're going to have to do something otherworldly from an offensive <laughs> rebounding position to get the ball away from them. It's just not going to happen. From the Sixers' standpoint, I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. Don't overthink the uh, – don't overthink the immediate impact this trade's going to have. You know, Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons had a. Uh, oh, Kendall, congratulations! T.J. Watt just named Defensive Player of the Year. Hey, there we go. Good for you. Um, ben Simmons' roster spot has been a void on the Sixers bench all year. Um, sorry, reading my notes here. I'm trying to think. What, I'm trying to read what I wrote. Oh, okay. Um, and so they basically turned that voided spot, Curry and Drummond, into someone who's, you know, around the 10th best player in the league, even during a down year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there's quite, there, there are a lot of questions about the fit between Harden and Embiid, and th- that's fair, because one thing we haven't seen since Embiid has become the dominant player he is, is we haven't seen a prolific, consistent scorer play with Embiid, and Embiid is a player that needs to have the ball in his hands. You cannot be a dominant big man in the NBA without having the ball in your hands. Now, you look at some of the greatest of all time, you know, Scottie Pippen was able to always get his, even though he played with Michael Jordan. You know, the Kyrie, the uh, the Magic and Kareem debate is a little different because Magic was more of a passer than he was a scorer, but like Shaq and Kobe were able to be dominant together, and both of them need the ball in their hands to do so. Um, but It'll be interesting to see what happens, but it's kind of a whatever. Who cares at this point? Um, Harden kind of showed that he could adapt to being a, a, a role player in a, in a bigger picture situation when he came to the Nets. And Embiid has voiced being open to being accommodating to help um, whenever he's been asked about trading Simmons for a star. Because uh, there was a lot of speculations that, you know, Simmons was going to be dealt for all those players from the, the Kings, the Lillard situation, whatever. Um, the the big thing, too, is, is that for Harden, he wanted out of Brooklyn. Um, he, he, it's interesting because part of the reason that he wanted out of Brooklyn was that it didn't feel like a big three because KD was getting hurt and you have um, Kyrie Irving who basically become a part-time player. I wonder how the frustrations are going to continue to mount for Harden given the standpoint that Embiid does like to take days off and Embiid does get banged up. So what's going to, you know, like I'm just curious 
what's Harden's attitude going to be if Embiid, you know, needs to take time off, you know, because Embiid traditionally doesn't play back-to-backs. He doesn't play both games of back-to-backs. He needs to take rest time off. He's an injury-prone big man that is sometimes put on minute restrictions depending on the injury. It'll be interesting. Um, I think he'll be more apt to being okay with it because the whole idea was that if KD was out, he had Kyrie. If Kyrie was out, he had KD, but then he only had Kyrie half the time and he only had KD half the time. Mm-hmm. So it'll be it'll be interesting. Um, I mean, it may provide for some throwback Harden, you know, kind of the, the James Harden show in Philadelphia, you know, but who who knows, you know? Mm-hmm. It could very well be like, hey, we'll see a, a flash of five years ago. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing is, immediate standpoint, the Philadelphia 76ers are home run winners in this trade. This, this could pan out to be an NBA championship season for the 76ers based on this. They got rid of, you know, a, a star player that wasn't playing and role players for a superstar. Um when you zoom back out from the season, though, it's interesting because Harden's a free agent after this year. There's been a lot of speculation that the Philadelphia 76ers, the Philadelphia 76ers are going to be the landing spot for him anyway. So if they get him, they sign this deal. The, the back half of his upcoming deal is going to be massive. It's going to be huge. Um, and Bede just gained a lot more defensive responsibilities losing Drummond. They did manage to keep Thibel, but they're going to Matisse Thibel is more of a perimeter defender. So Embiid just took on a lot more defensive uh, capability. Um, surrendering another first round pick in 2027 is going to be tough to swallow as well. Um, but it's, it is protected against a disaster. Basically meaning that this all blows up in the Sixers face. Um, but at the end of the day, you have Embiid. He's an MVP candidate your obligation as a franchise is to make the most out of him at any means necessary. Um, I mean, I, I really, I, I struggle to think that this isn't both, this isn't a win for both teams, but there's also a lot of downside to it. Right. And it's all still yet to be seen. You know, we, yes. we, we got to wait and we'll have a sure a conversation again when the season's over and, and seeing where both teams kind of landed. Yeah, and then the only other trade news to really talk about, I haven't really looked at the depths of it, but apparently there was a rumor. It's rumored that the uh, Houston Rockets uh, called the L.A. Lakers to trade, uh, basically do a John Wall for Russell Westbrook swap with some pick pick situations, um, which is interesting because the Lakers didn't do anything at the deadline, and they're, they're completely falling apart. Um, the Russell Westbrook experiment is not working there. Um, the rest of the team, you know, they can, people can say whatever they want about Russell Wilson, but the rest of the team outside of LeBron James is not performing to par. Anthony Davis is not performing to par. Um, the, the East, the East stacked up real hard while the West just kind of made a lot of role play moves this, this, this break to be sure. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there it is. There it is. In somewhat of a nutshell. Yeah, Kendall, any questions? I mean, this was interesting. There, there was definitely, um, because there's so much speculation you know, leading into this. And I think for, like, the the fan who, who, who watched the trade deadline, I think they definitely, fan got their money's worth. For sure. Oh, I agree. And, uh, I do think, 
I think it's interesting. I mean, I, I'll be the first one to admit I was wrong. I did. I did not see Harden being traded. I did. I did not think that was going to happen. Yeah, and I mean, for for us too, I think we we were kind of always split on oh, what's going to happen with Simmons this year. I think there was always kind of an opinion that he's not he's not going to be there with Embiid. But I think there was a, in the back of our heads, well, you know, we'll see how this year plays out. And mm. and you know, it it kind of came into fruition all at once. Right. For both sides, so I, I, I'm interested to see how you know we'll call it in three, three, four weeks time when all these players are in their new homes and they're they're kind of got some playing together under their belt and, and to see what the immediate impact is going to be. Yeah, I mean, one thing I'm definitely I'm happy about is um, there's a lot of speculation about the Bulls making some deadline moves and. I'm, that they didn't from a bias standpoint uh, talk about the Bulls for a second. I think a lot of it is just it's health. Mm-hmm. You know, they're the rookie that's been playing a lot better than could have been anticipated. Ayo Nosumo is, um, he's banged up with a head injury at the moment. Caruso and Lonzo Ball, two very integral parts of the perimeter defense of that team. And also uh, uh, Caruso just in terms of uh energy um you know they'll, they'll be back sooner rather than later and there's been a lot of reports that they're 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 uh, young shining uh, work in progress piece patrick williams is making all the progress he needs to make it, it, it's gonna be interesting the east is definitely it's has definitely kind of in my opinion for this season taken over the spot of most exciting uh half of the playoffs to watch because the bucks are going to still be the bucks the raptors have been a serious team. the The Hornets are fun to watch. The Heat are, are a real, real thing to watch. The Nets, you're not sure because they've been spiraling, but who knows? This could this new new thing could be good. The, the 76ers just became big alphas. You know, the Bulls have been hanging around the top three seeds, so it's going to be very interesting, mm-hmm. to say the least. Absolutely. So, Kendall, who's your big winner from the trade deadline? Who do you think? A big winner. Um, I think if I were to to name one, would be Philadelphia. Just from everything that we've talked about, I think there was so much animosity with the Ben Simmons thing, and I, I think that, like like we mentioned, that all this hey, we we, we want to trust the process, and it resulted in nothing. So, I think it was hey, let's rip the bandaid off and move on, and I think they are able to do that. Yeah. I'm going to give mine to the San Antonio Spurs from the same point of they really just did a lot of nothing to make a lot of something mm-hmm. for their future. You know, they're not in a position to, they were never going to be in a position to make make moves that would have made them contenders now, but they've definitely made moves that will make them contenders three or four years from now. When a lot of these, a lot of these teams start to deconstruct over time. Um, and a lot of these like fringe teams are kind of implode on themselves like the Mavericks and the, the Trailblazers. So, it would be interesting for sure. Uh, you care to give a quick beer review? Yes, I've had this on our show before, but I had my very last uh, French toasted uh, by Blue Point, uh, 9.3%. Um, so I, when I, re- I purchased this thinking it was a stout, and it turned out to be just a brown ale. Uh, for what it was, it's okay. The, the coffee, cinnamon, maple syrup notes definitely come through. It is an interesting beer. It's one of those beers like, oh, I could have this during breakfast. 
Um, but it doesn't really leave a lot. Like you know, you, I, I haven't walked away having any of these. Like wow, I, I can't wait to have another one. It's it's definitely a it's a heavy beer. It's a it's a, a one and move on. Nice. Uh, I had the 2019 Bourbon County, so two two years and some months of a uh, maturation. It was bottled at 15.2, probably floating around 16.5 right now. Um, very smooth, no booze taste at all. Um, actually, almost kind of a molassesy maple taste to it now. Um, the vanilla has kind of dissipated. No coffee flavor, just a kind of an earthy, oaky, caramel maple flavor. Um, that doesn't, doesn't come off too sweet. Hmm. Sounds very good. Mm. Um, do we have to do all our plugs and stuff? Uh, we'll just mention that, you know, you can find us at, uh, Facebook getting sports with the drunk, uh, Twitter and Instagram, GSWD underscore four. Make sure you use hashtag GSWD for all your daily users, whether it's having a secret podcast hangout. <laughs> We're reviewing big moves around the league. Yes. Uh, it, it, you know, basically anywhere you can find your podcast, Google Play, iHeart, Spotify, we're there. We're there. So We're there. And all the great stuff that's happening at the PPRN Radio Network, you can catch all those shows. Yeah, just jump on the website, pprnradio.net. Yeah. They're see all there. Yep, this, will be, this will be tag teams with a show that's got them all plugged. You can hear us plug them every Monday. And... Uh, Kendall, I'll break the news to Kyle when we uh, sign off the show that that you have already already toasted TJ Watt. This <laughs> means nothing. That's right. Uh, I want you to do it so bad. Do it. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, thank you for tuning into this emergency version of Getting Sports with Drunk on the PPN Radio Network. I'm your host, Scott Pick the Riddler, and I am the Rat of a Red Baron. Yeah. yeah.